podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Gordon Telfer, and just like last week, I am joined by Fraser Clark. Hello, I'm from a different room as well. I thought I'd mix it up, and I see that you've done likewise. I was warned by Craig Fowler to record in a room with better lighting, so I've come into my least favourite part of my flat, but the most well lit part of my flat. So I've uh, compromised my own comfort for good good video. So I think that's the most important thing here. I was told that my background, my brother told me my background was too boring. So I've moved downstairs. But I've also moved downstairs because Sarah's working upstairs. So I, I can't actually work there. Okay, I'll bite. Who's Sarah? <laughs> That's my other half. Oh, right. Girlfriend, is <laughs> <Yes>. it? <laughs> hey, fair play to you. Fair play to you, Fraser. It must be, must be nice. But <laughs> nevertheless, putting girlfriends to one side, everyone knows what happens when a burly chicken hawk and a shy young twink team up with a passing interest in lower league Scottish football. Oh, yes, you are going to get a world-class lower league podcast that focuses on the most interesting transfers so far this January. Using the database curated by Laurie Spence and Nary's Toe Poker, we've gone through every in and every out, and we've picked four each that we will think will make for a worthwhile discussion. Now, I can hear the people complaining already, like, Oi, Telfer, that sounds like the kind of crud you shit out for a bonus show. And I, I want to say, yes, I know that, but there's already been a podcast about the Scottish Cup. That went out on Monday. Tom Watts spoke uninterrupted for four minutes and 54 seconds about Derek Adams. And there was just two games that took place in the lower leagues that weekend. Anyway, all features and teams we spoke about last week anyway... So, as they say, the last refuge of a scoundrel is a podcast about transfers. So here we are. Yeah, what, what, what easier way to spend our Wednesday night than just rabbiting on about a couple of transfers? Dead easy. A dead easy. But before we start, Fraser, before we start, one of the games that we previewed last week was, and, and this was, we previewed it, but it wasn't actually covered on Monday's show, was Dumbarton 1 Rangers 4. When we spoke about it, you said it wasn't a game you were particularly looking forward to. How did it all go for you? It was probably better than I feared, if that if that's a, if that's an easy way of putting it. it yeah. I, I thought that we were fine. I thought all my big fear, especially going in without effectively a number one goalkeeper or his replacement playing a goalkeeper who got unceremoniously dumped out the squad entirely a couple of weeks previous without Mark Dernan uh, and without the kind of host of other players that we were missing who were all mm-hmm. cup tied like Keane Newbury. I, I really, really feared a doing a good, you know, like a 7-0, 8-0, something like that. Uh, but fortunately, Cyril Dessers was up front. Uh, and, oh. and he may have got oh. one, but my goodness, it was my brother turned to me about half an hour in and he went, you could swap him out for any half-decent player in our league, e.g. a Blair Henderson, a Matty Aitken or someone like that, and they'd probably have a hat-trick by now. And I was like, yeah, I can't disagree with the chances he was getting. Yeah, I watched the first half in the wee bar after Stennis Muirstrand-Ra and I, you know, I was kind of half watching it. You've, 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 you know how the game's going to go. It's going to be a, a, a sort of comfortable win for Rangers. They're not going to play at their best and that ultimately was borne out. But yeah, I was I was astonished at how, how poor he was and you can really see why Rangers have made that move for 
for Fabio Silva. It must be incredible to see someone as bad as that in the flesh that actually costs as much money as that. I, I can't, I mean, I don't want to obviously say this is our lower league show and I don't want to talk about Cyril Dessers too much. However, I cannot put into words like how remarkably bad he was in real life. Like I was expecting him to be bad, but I thought, you know, bad in the Premiership, bad for a four and a half million pound player. Mm-hmm. Like he's going he's gonna to ragdoll a team like us. He'll get a hat trick against us. Absolutely no bother. No, he, he shoots like a goalkeeper playing outfield. He takes like a step back and leans. <laughs> and I thought like the first thing you're taught when you're, you know, learning how to kick a football. Yeah, get, is, your, get the head over get it. Get your body over it and you'll hit it low and hard. Don't lean back unless you're taking a goal kick or it's going to go really high. And the one where he went clean through on goal, the flag went up. So he knew he was offside. So like, you know, he, I thought he's just going to do a cute wee finish and stick it in the back of the net. No, he uh, cleared the bar, cleared the fence and almost cleared the car park. <laughs> like he just absolutely launched it and I thought I, I actually felt a wee bit sorry for him because he seems like quite a likeable guy so you know how you get old firm players so the one that I think of who, who was rubbish but kind of riled me a wee bit was Joe Garner like just all kind of elbows and general oh, nastiness yeah, yeah, yeah. like Desters isn't like that he seems, he seems quite nice he walked past our fans when he got hooked and like a couple of Dumbarton fans with the hats and the scarves and all that stood up and applauded him and he gave him like a wee thumbs up and a wee grin. Ah, uh, fair play. So Fair play. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, Rangers fans tried to get glad all over. Remember they, they changed words that we've got, got Joey Gardner. Joey Gardner and it got to something like about number 37 or something like that. So yeah, just as, as good on the pitch as he is in the music charts. Yeah, I wonder what he's doing. I'm sure I was on his Wikipedia page a few weeks ago when he's kicking about with like Shrewsbury or something or Carlisle or something like that. Strange time. No one to get talking about Rangers. Strange time though, their return to, I say return, <laughs> no, <laughs> their first visit to the, the Scottish Premiership some of the absolute garbage that they had signed for them. And, and speaking of signings, as a, a, an interesting link, Fraser, I mean, we've got four each. I'll, out of courtesy, I'll, I've spoken enough. We'll let you go first. Who is the first interesting transfer you're bringing to the table? Right, I will start in the Championship because that makes a wee bit of sense to do. And actually, it's going to be a team who I'm going to talk about a wee bit in this podcast, which is Inverness, Caledonian Thistle. Uh, Not Mm. necessarily for the right reasons, however, but I think the sort of the marquee marquee move of this window in the lower leagues has been David Wotherspoon going to Dundee Mm. United from Inverness. And I understand the appeal from a Dundee United point of view, because I think he's an excellent player, but I wonder how much he enhances what they've got. So if you look at that front four they've got, like at the moment, you know, if you look at Molt up front, well, Wotherspoon's probably, I don't know, he can maybe kind of do a job up there if completely necessary, but he's probably not going to play up front. So then you look at the guys behind them, you've got Fotheringham, Tony Watt, and who Glenn, Middleton. Really, Glenn Middleton. That's it, who I think is the leading creator in the league. Now, Wotherspoon coming on from one of those guys, decent option. But is he going to be playing every single week, starting over one of them? Probably what would be the one that you'd look at in terms of like Wotherspoon's best position being in behind the striker. Hmm. I don't see him starting that many games over Tony Watt unless he gets an injury or unless his form goes off a cliff. Swing it around the other way, from Inverness's point of view, we obviously played them back in the uh, in the summer in the whatever the Betfred Cup's called these days. It's just forever the Betfred Cup in my eyes. We played them back in the summer and they really, really looked a team, and obviously they've had a change of manager and like a wee bit of a change of squad, but just a team that was really lacking quality at that point, like a bit of magic. That's what he has. So I think he's very hard to replace for Inverness. And I'm not massively convinced that Dundee United necessarily needed him. Even looking mm. behind that, if you've got like Mockery, Glass, uh, Matthew Cujo, like these are all pretty capable substitutes at championship level. And if Dundee United do go up this season, which they will be aiming to do, 
do they keep a 34-year-old David Wotherspoon? Like, is, how big an asset is he in the Premiership next season? And I appreciate that's getting ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I thought it was one of those moves that you look at and you're like, yeah, it's a nice fit. But actually, how, how much does it suit anyone involved? Hmm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think it's a really good move for, for Dundee United. My thinking behind it was he can offer something that perhaps those other players that you mentioned can't quite do. I think I look at Fotheringham and Middleton, I think they're quite direct players. I think that when they're up against teams who perhaps play a, a low block and, and they're a bit stuffy and a bit stubborn, I don't necessarily have got the skills to gouge out chances for them. I do think Wotherspoon can do that. And I do think that perhaps at Wotherspoon's age, I don't know if he's had the conversations with Jim Goodwin about what his role is. I might not necessarily be an automatic starter for them. He might be a, a rotation player, a squad player. But I do think on the whole, he is a very useful option to have. I think that the conversations that and I have had with Sean McGuigan about the, the title race between Wraith Rovers and Dundee United, I've often said to him that I fancy Dundee United to win the title because of transfers like David Wallerspoon. They have the capacity to bring in these high-calibre players in January, perhaps pay better wages than Wraith Rovers, and that's ultimately going to be the difference in the, the transfer round. We can see sure the, the, the league table, there, Dundee United are ahead of them, and they've played a game less. And I do think that Wotherspoon is a difference in just making sure that Dundee United stay ahead between now and the rest of the season. Here's the thing though. So if you put yourself in his shoes, he was obviously out the game for a wee while, like a good few months over the summer. I think he trained with Dunfermline for quite a long time and everyone thought that That's was right. going to be the transfer and it just didn't happen. So if you are 34, you've got, I mean, he must have round about 500 Premier League appearances under his belt, certainly round about that number, I would think. Would you rather at 34 years of age, play every week for Inverness and maybe help them stay up? Or would you rather be a bit part player for Dundee United? And I think, I, I mean, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that. I know where my bank balance would rather have me. I know what's probably more enjoyable, but then there's part of me that goes, if he sat on the bench and maybe getting 10, 15 minutes every week and he's going, mm, could have been playing like a full 90 for Inverness. I could have been the main man at Inverness, that whole kind of big fish in a small pond thing. Yeah. Or I could have been a bit part player, but at the end of it, I get more money and a title winning medal and probably better training facilities. And yeah, actually, I don't know why I'm... Yeah. It sounds like a great move. <laughs> the way you, when, you, when, you, when you're listing all those things, I was thinking, What's, what have Inverness got to do with any of this? That's a, I, think a, I, think a, I think it's a good move for, for all parties, just, just for all the reasons that you've mentioned there. You're playing for a team that's challenging for the title rather than a team that's trying to get into the playoffs. You play in front of bigger attendances. You're going to get paid more money, I presume. And I just think that... that I'm not I'm not 100% sure what role he will specifically been given at Dundee United from Goodwin. That, I imagine that's a conversation they will have had as to exactly how he's going to be used. But I just think it, it makes sense for, for player. Maybe not necessarily will be reflective in minutes on the pitch, but everything else, the finances, the glory, a medal, closer to home as well. Yep, there is that aspect as well, which I suppose I didn't even consider. Although... Yeah, I suppose, I don't know his situation, if he's got like a family and things like that, you're probably wanting to be, I don't know, 45 minutes from them rather than, well, a journey down the A9, which nobody wants yeah. to do. I think you've talked yourself out of it. I think, I think you're actually Did, beginning to think this is a really good move know, for Wallerspoon and Dundee thing, United. Right? David Wallerspoon sat at home, he's listened to this podcast and he's not quite sure he's made the right decision. I've just confirmed him. He's like, yeah, yeah, I have made the right decision. I don't know why yeah, I was thinking he, about it. As he's flicking through his online bank balance, he's like, yeah, no, I've definitely <laughs> made the right decision. I'm, I'm going to go for a, a similar-ish kind of move for my first pick, Fraser. I'm going to go for a player who's left the Highlands and headed not towards... Um, 
not towards the Angus region, not towards the Dundee region, but who's headed towards Fife. I'm going to go for Kyle Turner, the 26-year-old midfielder who has left Ross County to join Wraith Rovers on loan. He'll be teaming up once again with Ian Murray, who the pair of them worked very well together at So That was actually another loan spell that he had. And I think with Sam Stanton's injury, he's out with a sort of medium to long-term knee injury. He's certainly keep him out probably maybe a month or so. Not 100% sure what the diagnosis is. But anyway, Kyle Turner is perhaps the best player available in the circumstances they could have got to replace him. I know he's not necessarily been on a winning side yet. I think they've lost both games that he's participated in against Queen's Park and in the Scottish Cup against Livingston. However, he is a player I have always liked since I've seen him at Stranraer. And I think, unfortunately for him, he falls into a strange category of players where you're a standout in the second tier, but you're perhaps not quite good enough for the top flight. I think of guys like Josh Mulligan, Josh Mulligan, Josh Mullen, and like John Baird, guys like that. And I think that's where, where Turner fits in. However, there's no shame in that. And I think that he will do a, a good job, can do so much in the middle of the park, and it'll be a really important asset for Wraith Rovers as they try to claw back that deficit from Dundee United at the top of the table. Yeah, and as everyone knows, like I'm I'm Sam Stanton's biggest fan. Like I, I was stood in the tunnel at Station Park and Forth for a couple of weeks ago and Greg Young was there. We're just talking back and forward about things. And then we got into talking about Sam Stanton and my eyes yeah. must have lit up. <laughs> and he was just like, oh, you know, Stance is unbelievable and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, oh, he's one of my favourite ever loan players. Actually, it was quite embarrassing. Like I was kind of sitting in the car <laughs> on the way home, like he's he's just his pal and I'm just giving it like, you know, your, your pal is amazing. Like I think about your pal quite a lot. Kyle Turner, I th- I don't think there are that many players that are similar to Sam Stanton, but Kyle Turner's probably about as close as you're going to get, especially if you're a club like Wraith and you're not going to be able yeah. to go out and spend, I don't know, 50 grand, 100 grand on somebody. Like you say, you also know what you're going to get. So how often can a club in January in the championship bring in a player who is certainly a top four player, if not, you know, maybe a top two player in that division? That's quite unusual to be able to go out and do that. And I should just say as well that Thinking back, I think it was about five years or so ago that myself, Colin Patterson and Mark Perry did a Daily Record podcast and uh, I, I tipped Kyle Turner to be a star of the future. So yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just take the credit for that. And anyone can dig up and they can find that <laughs> podcast. Back when I just started in this job, well, back in my early podcasting days and go, this guy knows what he's on about. I, I remember watching him breaking through at Stranraer and just the breaking the lines was something good. The, the, the drive, the directness, the dynamism that he really gave that Stranraer side. And he looked... Maybe, you know, like they say, there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. I think with Turner, it perhaps goes a wee bit into the arrogant side. And I think that's perhaps maybe why he's moved on from Ross County. Derek Adams, since he has come back up to Scotland, if you go and listen to the podcast on Monday, they talk about it in great detail. He's really going for a sort of scorched earth policy where he's just, he's, he's obliterating the reputation of Scottish football, talking about how that if he had... Perhaps he hasn't done his due diligence and taken over at the Ross County job. And perhaps he might not have gone back had he done that. Derek Adams seems like a particularly difficult person to work with. And I imagine that Kyle Turner, who I imagine gives him the fingers behind his back and perhaps does impressions of him, like he he blinks a lot. I think that he would very quickly fall foul of Adams. And that's perhaps why he's he's been shipped down the road. Is it true what I heard on the radio, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, that Derek Adams doesn't swear? Mm-hmm. Something to do with like, his, his religion or something that he just does not swear. I did a podcast with Sean Higgins a couple of years ago who famously was punched or punched Derek Adams. Certainly a scuffle between the two of them in a, in a game. And that's a shame because I didn't pay the SoundCloud subscription for telling me his so all those podcasts are, are, are lost in the, in the sands of time. 
The one with Sean Higgins was really good because he spent a lot of time at Ross County. He played with Derek Adams and he was managed by him. And Higgins said that he was a, a Colin McMenamin as well, who did a podcast with, wasn't particularly complimentary about Derek Adams. But, he, but yeah, he doesn't swear. I think he's, he's, I think he's quite uh, Christian. I'm not saying that because you're a religious person includes you from swearing, but we'd call it like a, 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 a flipping bandit and stuff like that. So yes, i not seen a strange man, but I think in a, a football context, that's perhaps a bit unusual. I imagine it must be like being managed by Ned Flanders. Yeah, but I mean, Ned Flanders, the ultimate point of Ned Flanders, Ned Flanders wasn't a bad guy. The whole point of Ned Flanders and the Simpsons was basically a, a reflection of Homer Simpson, this guy who's got a, a beautiful family, you know, great job, upstanding member of his community. He's all the things that Homer's not. Derek Adams isn't any of those things, you know. I think I'd quite like to be managed by Ned Flanders. I don't think I'd want to be managed by Derek Adams. The only thing I would say, just jumping back onto uh, Kyle Turner and, and actually Ray Throwers to a broader point, there are obviously still time for them to do it, but I'm perhaps a bit surprised that they didn't bring in more defensive cover. I think with Dan O'Reilly, who they brought in on a short-term contract from, well, after leaving Hamilton Ackies, I think he was brought in for a couple of months. I think he exceeded expectations. A really good game against Dunfermline. I think it was in the Scottish Cup when they were playing as part of a makeshift back. It was a 3-6-1. He was part of a makeshift back three. He's obviously left to go on to Partick Thistle. And I think that the Rovers are struggling a wee bit at the back. You know, their form has dipped. They've only picked one win in their last five league games, dumped out the cup by Livingston. That was a very presentable tie as well. David Martindale saying Livingston, turn it in about your budget. Honestly, David Martindale, turn it in about it's so unbecoming. It's so unbecoming. Imagine, imagine going for a pint with someone like that who just like is coming up for his own and he's complained about how expensive pints were these days. You'd just be like, no, just stay in the house, mate. It's fine. I don't want to go for a beer with you. But I think it'll be interesting to see how Turner can play his part in turning around that season. But I do think the bigger priority, also has a priority to replace Sam Stanton because he is massively important to how they play. That role that him and Sean Byrne have in the middle of the park is obviously so important to give the better players further upfield the platform to play on. But I think that there's reinforcements are still required at the back if Rovers want to kick on and uh, push on and challenge Dundee United. The old Ian Murray thing though, isn't it? I mean, it's like he like he was with us. He didn't really care about the defence. The defence were just there to sort of stand about and just put the ball back up to the really talented attacking players. So, you know, that season Dumbarton were fifth in the championship. I think we scored 61, conceded 61 or something like that. It was just like, nah, just, you know, to hell with the defence. <laughs> just pack, pack our squad with really aesthetically pleasing attacking players and we'll outscore everyone. Give us a pick number two, Fraser, please. I wish I could have done that. Speaking of aesthetically pleasing attacking players, but uh, he's not. But I do think he's an excellent signing and I'm sticking with Inverness, but I'll focus this one more on the team that the player has gone to and that's Sean mm. Welsh going to Queen's yeah. Park. Very sensitive things are very sensible signing from Queen's Park for a number of reasons. I think that is exactly what they needed. Like, yeah, I looked at their squad and I think he's, well, he's now their oldest player at 33. They've got uh, Longstaff at 32, uh, Longridge, sorry, at 32. Uh, and then Dom Thomas and Tommy Robson are the only over 25s in that squad. You think mm. like a major, major part of why they are struggling so much is just how young and inexperienced that squad is. Because I think there's yeah. there's like a lot of players in that team who are quite tidy, who are pretty technically good players, but they don't have that sort of street smart ability mm-hmm. to play in the Scottish Championship. And that is the sort of thing that Sean Welsh will give you in abundance. What I also said is he just he really feels like a Callum Davidson player. Like he just has that nice Callum Davidson feel about him. Like if if he was at St Johnson under Callum Davidson, you'd like yep, can see that Ali Crawford, Cammy McPherson, Sean Welsh, like 
not going to be uh, bringing the punters in, but you know they'll get through a power of work in that midfield, and they'll sometimes oh, oh. do a decent amount of tackling and things. Yeah, definitely. I think that Queens Park their transfer window in the summer was poor overall. Not poor in te- well, yeah, it was, it was poor. Not necessarily because of the the individual players that they signed, because as you say, guys like Jack Spong, Jack Turner, Will Tizard, they've evidently got something about them. You can see it in, in flashes. Like I've, I've been to see Queens Park early season. You can see like Jack Spong, he is ultimately a good player. And I think if you're to take these players and, and put them in other teams around the division, I think they'd all flourish if there's more experience behind them. Players who have, you know, been been there, done it. I know that's a bit of a cliche, but but it's but cliches are true for a reason. I think that would be the case. However, you bring all these players together and it just doesn't work. And that's why we've seen Queen's Park when what sixteen games, four months, five months without without picking on. That's why they're they're stretched around at the bottom of the table. However, Sean Welsh is a very sensible signing. I think his use of the ball's good. He's a, a capable passer, can get stuck in a wee bit. The only thing that I would say about him is that he is perhaps a little bit injury prone. You know, he, he is going to miss matches and he's not the most mobile of players. However, you've got these young guys around him that he can he can bark out the instructions to talk through matches, tell him exactly what he wants him to do, speed the game up, slow it down as and when. And I think that it really, a sign like that really holds Queen's Park in good stead going forward for the rest of the season. It's the sort of signing as well that seeing you've got a new manager in and you know that things aren't going quite right and the team's just not quite where it needs to be. You make a signing like that and you just feel a bit more relaxed about things. You think, right, this guy's going to come in. He's going to contribute on the pitch as that sort of leadership role. Now, Queen's Park, I think, have lacked leaders this season. That goes hand in hand with the sort of young the young squad thing but they, they look like a team that have just lacked leaders so somebody you know what see when you're on that run of five games without a win they make sure it doesn't get to 14 15 16 games or whatever because they just know what to do to grind out a one nil or to get a result like that so it's the sort of signing that you'd make and you know like i said you're not going to be oh can't wait to get down to get down to hamden park and uh, watch sean welsh play for 90 minutes yeah. like he's not gonna it's not like dom thomas he's not gonna put bums on seats in that regard but i think he's the sort of player who if you speak to really any fans of his former club pretty much have positive things to say about him. It's not going to be, you know, okay, he's got a bad attitude and he only turns up for one game in 12 or whatever. Like every club he's been at by and large, you would say he would be rated and they would probably have quite nice things to say about him other than the, you know, the injury record, which has probably held him back a wee bit. I I, I think so. You know, it reminds me of, and I'm going to use this as a very uh, comparison, Claude Makélélé at Real Madrid. In the, the galactical period, I mean, you're not going to watch Real Madrid to watch Claude McAuley. You're there to watch Zinedine Zidane and Ronaldo and Luis Figo and Roberto Carlos and David Beckham. However, you take away a Claude McAuley, the team just can't function. And that's the thing. That's ultimately, there are people whose jobs are not very sexy jobs on the football pitch. Fullbacks, least interesting position in the game. Ball-playing midfielders who just stand in the centre circle, that's probably the next least sexy position. And Sean Welsh is going to do that. However, I think his... And on top of that, just like his his personality as well is probably just going to radiate throughout the, the team. He was, was it captain of Inverness? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Well. I, I imagine as well, when you've got a kind of dressing room like Queen's Park that's predominantly kind of younger guys, and I know I keep going on about that, maybe it's a, it's a wee bit quiet at times in the dressing room and you need somebody, mm. you need some older characters quite often to just get people riled up to maybe have a go at players now and then, but also know when to put the arm around them, which I think he'll do. And it's, it can just, you know, one or two players can come in and, well, one or two players can come in and ruin a dressing room and one or two players mm. can come in and, 
maybe bring it together and just everyone gets behind it. And he strikes me as the sort of one that people will be able to get behind it. He won't mind if, you know, if a player has a bad game and he's 19, 20, he'll put his arm around him and he'll tell him, but he's also quite capable of giving them a boot up the arse if that's what they need. And because of the experience he's got, he's going to know which ones are going to need a boot up the arse and which ones are going to need a wee cuddle and told like, you know, it's all going to be okay. It'll be fine. Those Airdrie fans can't get you now. <laughs> Speaking of a boot up the arse, I'm going to give you a player who really needs a boot up the arse because his career really seems to be going off the skids. It's Jake Hasty who has left Hartlepool to join Hamilton Ackies on loan. 24-year-old, who is breaking through at Motherwell. I was watching highlights of his assists. I think Rangers fans had made a compilation from the 18-19 season before he got his move to Rangers, obviously, to pop the boys and work the marks. Incredible player in that season. However, his move to Rangers just didn't work out at all. Didn't work out at all. A series of loan spells, Rotherham in English League One, back to Motherwell, then Partick Thistle at Linfield. Feels like the quality of each loan is going down. Ultimately leaves to join Paul Hartley's <laughs> bomb squad at Hartlepool. I think he played, played about half the games last season in League Two and he's played about two-thirds of the games in the, the National League. He's still contracted to 2025. I, I looked that up on Transfermarkt. I was still surprised that he was contracted. I, I assume that this was the last six months of his contract with Hartlepool, but no, he's got another 18 months to go. But nevertheless, he has joined on loan at Hamilton Ackies, and I really think if that move to Hartlepool wasn't a crossroads, this loan spell in Scotland's, Scotland's third tier, this really feels like a crossroads for him. This is this is make or break for full time football mm. now, which is incredible for a player who was under contract at Rangers up until what just a couple of years ago. I'm, I remember him playing for Rangers B in the Challenge Cup in Stevie Farrell's first season against us, which I, I remember looking at it at the time. And I, they played a, maybe they played a couple of kind of first team players at that point, but the guy who was head and shoulders the best player on the pitch was Alex Lowry, and I looked at Jake Hasty and thought. He was like a guy who's maybe regretting his career decisions a wee bit. You know, you're playing in front of 300 people at The Rock for the B team, surrounded mm. by kids. You, you probably feel, certainly when you get the move from Motherwell to Rangers, that like, right, that's it. That's me done the youth mm. football thing. Worked my way up through the ranks. Had that loan spell at Aloha where I think he was really, really good. Yeah. Certainly yeah, for the yeah. kind of last spell of it or the kind of final spell of it before he went back to Motherwell. He scored, sorry, he scored a really good goal, I'm sure, for Aloha. When he sort of cut inside, he would think he was playing the right, cut inside onto his left foot and, and belted into the top corner for about 25 yards. He, he reminded me, seeing the sort of physicality when you were watching highlights of him, you know, a bit like Gareth Bale. He's that guy, yeah. he's a winger, but he's really, really good physically, like big, strong. Funny you say that because I, I, I was texting Graham Fulis, obviously, of the, the Terrace Parish Motherwell fan, and I said that Fraser Clark and I were doing a podcast about interesting transfers. I'm going to talk about Jake Hasty. Where did it go wrong for him at Motherwell? <laughs> he basically sent me a screenshot of an article where he said, like, I study Gareth Bale's videos. And Thielus was like, put a pin in it, because that's the moment that his career started to... Like, he, he says that teams began to figure him out. I, I, I remember when I was saying I was watching the, the, the clips of him. There's a goal that David Turnbull scored against Motherwell. They beat them 1-0 at Fur Park. Hasty picks up the ball inside his own half. Skips past, I think, three players are actually around him. Sean Mackey, who, Sean, maybe perhaps shows the quality of the Hibs team, but they're like, Sean Mackey's trying to catch him. Bursts into the final third and he plays this ball with, with his left foot, the outside of his left foot, right into the path of Turnbull to finish. And it's a brilliant finish from Turnbull, but the, the run in the pass is astonishing. Like, this is amazing. He scored a goal against St Mirren where he, hit, he came in from the right and hit it 
and it's one of those ones, you know, where the ball is still rising as it hits the oh, back I of the net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're very, you talk about aesthetically beautiful. That's a very aesthetically beautiful goal. But Theolis thinks that by that stage, teams were beginning to figure out how he plays. And his development, he didn't really figure out a way to change his game. And on top of that, when he moved to Rangers, I think he signed a fairly lucrative contract. And you hear the expression, no hunger in paradise. That might have been the case for Jake Hastie. It's something you've touched on there. Rather than thinking, I've signed for Rangers, I've made it. It should have been like, I've signed for Rangers. This is when the hard work starts. And there's been talk as well of, and again, it's just street talk that it perhaps doesn't have the necessarily have the best attitude, that might be reflective in the fact his career has kind of circled the drain away. That's why he's pitching up at Hamilton. And I hope not, because if you're fast and you're direct and you can score goals, especially you score goals from distance, you've definitely got something about you. You just perhaps perhaps just up here. I'm touching my tempo. Obviously that doesn't make good good audio. I'll come. I don't know if you can hear that. That's me touching my forehead. I, I, yeah. I could hear that actually. So you can it hear sounded that. quite hollow. That's all I'll say. Oh yeah, there's not a lot, there's, yeah. there's not a lot going on going on up here. But if he can, if he can sort that out and and perhaps like win a promotion with Hamilton and and maybe if he goes to, I mean, you mentioned about like playing in front of three hundred people at the Rock. That should be a penny dropping moment. And I'm not going to not to compare it to, but you go away to Meadowbank Stadium. That's your penny dropping moment. That I don't want to be playing at this level. I've got the talent to kick on, I'm going to have to start perhaps looking after myself a wee better. He's quite a stocky, he's got quite a stocky build. I was looking at the photos on his Wikipedia page. You might mistake that for perhaps like not looking after yourself, but I just think that's that's maybe just genetics. He's a talented player and if he can apply himself at Hamilton, he can perhaps kick on, but it really does feel like it's a fork in the road. You feel like it's one of these ones as well where there's going to be no middle ground. He's either going to stink the place out, 13 appearances, zero goals, one assist, yeah. something like that. I've got or, that down. I've got that down in my notes. Or he's going to, he's going to be down. an absolute revelation and it's going to be, you know when Scott Tiffany went on loan to Partick Thistle in League One and he was just unplayable. Like, yeah, And then yeah, yeah. his career's just gone and gone and gone from there. You feel like it's going to go one or two ways. He's not going to be like, ah, he was pretty good for the most part, gets a new deal at Hamilton. He's either going to kick on or he's going to be playing for, I don't know, somebody in, in league, the kind of lower end of league, maybe back at Alloa next season, something like that. Yeah, I'll be interested to see where he's used at Hamilton. I'm going to assume that he's effectively, uh, he's going to basically do what Dario Zanata can't do. Zanata is, I was looking at his, his untransfer mark, Zanata has effectively been bombed out of the squad, hasn't played in about a month, hasn't even been on the bench for about a month, and there was talk of him, we touched on the last week's show, either going to Clyde, for very least, if you're still at New Douglas Park, in fact, that's, that's where you're going. You're not you're just playing for it's a just laziness, that. <laughs> oh, that, that was, uh, pretty much sums up Zanata then. Uh, or maybe going back to, to Canada. You think that he would be able to give them something different in that final third that, that Zanata can't give them. And I, I would imagine that if you're pacey and you're direct and you're a good dribbler and you're aggressive when, when, you're, when you're going forward, that's a nightmare for fullbacks to deal with. And you're going to assume that that's the sort of thing that's going to make you stick out a mile at League One level, but it's whether or not that is actually the case. So I think you're right. I actually, I'm not not exaggerating. I've got that down my notes. I can see him. You can either see him getting uh, like double figures for the season, sort of like maybe like 15 goal involvements, or maybe 13 appearances, one goal, and then back to back to Hartlepool, and then and then who knows? I hope not. I, I like seeing players. You don't want to hear these hard luck stories. You want to see players that have shown talent early in the career, just. Try and, and 
get I, back I've got up it, to a level. See, if it doesn't work out at Hamilton, I can tell you exactly where he will end up in the summer. East Kilbride. Oh, yeah. I, just hang I, that in front of him. Just like, you don't want to end up here. Like, you, you don't want to do this. Well, it depends what's an offer, Fraser. It might be £700 a week plus your opportunity to open up a Black Rooster franchise in looking where he's from, Law, which is just outside Carluke. Don't know if Law already has his Black Rooster franchise. If so, there's a gap in the market. And and to be fair, I mean, Jordan Kirkpatrick's not from Dundee. That's where he opened his. So maybe he could get the chance to move somewhere else and, and open one there. Maybe they're looking to branch into Hartlepool. I really like Black Rooster chicken. I'll say it. There's one just down the road from me. I think it's class. The the peri peri loaded fries. I've I've never been. They don't have one in Dunblane. I don't know if they've got one in Stirling. I might make a point if they do. But they I... do. They do have one in Stirling. It's at a roundabout. It's a fairly prominent roundabout in the city. You think you drive past it as you're going towards the Thistle Centre? Yes. I I don't think I've noticed it, but I know the roundabout you're on about. I will go and Google Map it, and then I'll make a point to go there and make a report back. Maybe that's a, that's, a, that's a bonus podcast. It's just me trying Black Rooster for the first time. That's it. For a podcast that Craig Fowler, if you're listening, Fraser, Clark and I will go to every Black Rooster <laughs> in Scotland and report back. Are many of them operated by fellow lower league superstars? Because that would be an, an excellent sort of incentive oh, for me. Oh, yeah. Now, that's the sort of thing that would be interesting to me as well. There's a, I've thought about getting a personal trainer, but the stipulation would, be, would have to be a uh, current or former lower league Scottish football player. That's very important to me. It would have to be a current or former lower league Scottish football player. My auntie, uh, who's my mum's best pal from school, like going way back to her childhood, her personal trainer for a stage was Kevin Cuthbert and I was really, really, really? jealous. I really wanted to know him. <laughs> Do you remember the boy David Crawford who played for Albion Rovers? Yes. Now, just a wee while ago, but I remember going on his Instagram page. He's a personal trainer. He has turned into an absolute unit. I remember he's quite a Alan Tracy sort of skinny little guy. Aye, he has turned into an absolute unit. An absolute unit. Like somebody who you'd see in Geordie Shore. Wow. So does he sound like he's, he's going to be on Love Island or do you think he's beyond that stage now? I mean, he must be, he must be quite old. He's been about for a wee while. I, I don't think he's quite got the OZC looks about him. Who does, to be fair? Uh, who does? Big dreamy eyes, aye, good looking boy. But nevertheless, Jake Hasty, Fraser and I wish you all the very best at Hamilton Ackies. Please smash it and make your way back up or go back to Hartlepool and make a difference there. But I see Hartlepool. I think that's one of the problems as well with Hartlepool. I just, just not to, to jump back, but he was, I'm going to assume it was his decision to go on loan because when he left the club, Hartlepool were between managers. Kevin Phillips, the legendary Sunderland singer, he's recently just taken over them. But that was about five or six days after Hasty moved on. I wonder so, if part I wonder if part of them's slightly regretting that, thinking maybe I could have stayed and impressed the new manager, or maybe it was just, you know, I need a fresh start. Because I think their fans didn't seem particularly bothered that he was away, to put it very nah, mildly. Yeah, I tried to go in a Hartlepool forum. No Fowler does that to try and gauge fan sentiment. But I just went and looked at the comments underneath the announcement. It was I think it was him and Brody Patterson where both we moved on at the same time and yeah, it wasn't a lot of most of it was like announced new manager but then amongst that it was like good riddance Yeah, so. just just while we're on the Black Rooster thing as well because I was actually, I was talking to Chris McMillan about Jordan Kirkpatrick the other day mm-hmm. and uh, I'd sent him the link to the article about him opening it and it has this fantastic line in it, it was a relief seeing that first burger sold A relief? <laughs> That's a, it's a strange choice of words I thought Yeah, it'd be a delight, a joy a pleasure a relief. 
I'd need to know what's going on behind the scenes there. Perhaps like the perhaps a cooker wasn't working. Or or maybe maybe he doesn't think the burgers are very good and didn't think anyone would get them. And then he's just oh, like, oh, no, no. Right, thank goodness somebody's uh, somebody's came and they've bought one of the burgers from me. My two hundred grand investment is safe. No, the food's good. I would say that the food's good. I think he doesn't have to worry about that. But I'd like to know why uh, why he was worried. Jordan, if you're listening, two questions. One, why were you relieved that the first burger was sold? And two, are you ever going to kick a ball for Stennis Muir again? That's a good point. And, and three, could you invite me and Craig up so I can try one? And we'll do a wee show. And we'll sit down and do an interview. We can talk about those goals you scored when you relegated Stevie Hitkins to Barton, <laughs> actually, uh, for, for, for Allah. That's part of, but that's, listen, we, this is stuff that we can discuss ourselves. We don't need to discuss it when we're on air. Fraser, give me your third pick, please. So I've gone for uh, Brad Mackay as my third pick. Now, the reason... Brad Mackay! The reason I picked Brad Mackay... Brad Mackay! Gary Holt's worst signing outside his own son when he was the director of football at Falkirk. Well, you, no, but they did give Jamie Wilson a two-year deal, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> Fuck, that's what it was. So, <laughs> what a strange... It's incredible, like, when you see how sensible everything was for Falkirk in this summer, addressing all the areas that needed addressed, they signed... Tom Lang, they signed Ross McKeever, they signed Brad Spence, like sensible, sensible, sensible. Brad Mackay in a three-year deal. Mr. Mister Holt, explain yourself, sir. The reason I picked it as well is I think it's a kind of sad end to an era. Like it felt like that three-year deal lasted about six seasons because it's just felt yeah. like he's been there for a while and Falkirk have been stuck in this malaise and then they bombed him out of the team this season and they've started to look really quite good. But I, mm. I thought I'd take a wee look back at that Falkirk season where he signed the three-year deal. Uh, they signed... <laughs> Oh, I thought you'd enjoy this one. <laughs> is this going to be, is this, is your Norm Macdonald, all the so, stars voice? So they, they signed uh, Stephen Hetherington, who I actually think is a good player, but it was just yeah, a total did not disaster. Work out Falkirk, they signed Seb Ross, who loves a goal against Dumbarton, but it didn't work out at Falkirk. Uh, not good enough for, for the, what Falkirk are looking for. They signed uh, two names that will bring a smile to your face, I think. Uh, Sammy Omprion. Oh, yeah. Who I think he's on loan from Sheffield United or something like that. that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Mackenzie Lemon. Mackenzie Lemon, my favourite Mackenzie Lemon moment was in Paul Sheeran's last game. I think it was a 6-0 defeat Queen's Park game. to Queen's Park. And he fell over the ball. <laughs> Simple as that. He just fell over the ball. Yeah, I think he's, he was. He, he went, I'm not sure if he's still there, but he was at Cowdenbeath in the Lowland League. He, he's he got that situation as well. I remember somebody said to me, Sam Rams, Ramsbottom, just the reason that he seems worse than he is is because he's got a rubbish name. I think Mackenzie Lemon, <laughs> like, you can't be called Lemon and be any good at football. Can you imagine if David Beckham was called Mackenzie Lemon or just David yeah, Lemon? That's actually quite a, quite an interesting observation. Yeah, Ramsbottom, Lemon, uh, they're quite comedic names. They're not, like, they're not like the cool kids at school were never called Ramsbottom or Lemon. Like that's no. that's just a fact. They signed um, er- Ernard- Ernaldo Krasniki on loan from Huddersfield. Oh, yeah, sort of uh, Albanian central midfielder. Yeah, he, I remember him playing against us and he kind of ran like a man with both his legs on the wrong feet, if that makes sense. Like if you were just to take one leg off and put it on the other leg and take the other leg off and swap them over. He was he was okay that day, but I don't think he pulled up any trees. They had Declan McDade on loan, who, who did nothing. They had Michael Ruth, who's probably my favourite Dumbarton player at the moment, but who was their number nine, and I think he would have been mm. 18 at the time. Like, yeah. you're not going to win League One with Michael Ruth up front, certainly not at 18. Uh, they did, to be fair, sign Leon McCann and Aidan Nesbitt that summer as well, who have who've turned out pretty well. Like, eventually. I, know, I think Nesbitt divides, still divides opinion a fair bit, but like he's... He's having a good season, though, I think, Aidan well. Nesbitt. Yeah, but that's a... Geez, well, when you kind of... That's what two players who eventually became good and amongst that not a good window from Gary Holt 
uh, no, not a good window. And then they had obviously the kind of uh, the Martin Rennie situation. They ended up with Lee Griffiths up front at the end of that season. They finished couldn't sixth in the league. Yeah, honestly, man, couldn't run a job, but what a corner taker. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that's kind of the reason I picked Brad Mackay. But also to touch on him as a player, he needed a fresh start. Like it must be yeah, utterly yeah, soul destroying yeah. to basically be a bit of a a bit of a joke figure in a way. Like I imagine it's like a, you're going to have that level of personal pride in everything you do. You've got that wee level of personal pride. Somebody goes, oh, Brad, where are you playing? He says, oh, I'm still at Falkirk. All oh, right, okay, are you getting? No, I'm not, not really playing much. And then they maybe search your name up or look in the forum. Why is Brad Mackay not playing? And it's just Falkirk fans saying nasty things about him. So I think he needed a fresh start. And I think from Kelty's point of view, and we'll maybe touch on them a wee bit because I, I don't know what's quite going on there. They obviously have lost Tam O'Ware to Queen's mm-hmm. Park to be their assistant or first team coach, wherever he's gone. They needed an experienced defender. What I would say from Kelty's point of view is there's talk, I don't know if it's happened yet, I've not checked today, but Reese Lyon being on his way to Hamilton, who right. I think is an excellent player. There was talk he's away. Obviously, uh, Jamie Walker's away and O'Ware's away. And I know he wasn't playing a great deal, but Daramola's obviously away as well. Yeah. Like, are they are they trying to balance books here? It, is this... Because I wouldn't think at this stage in the season you'd want to lose that many players unless they've just gone... Probably not going to go down. Probably not going to go up. Bank a wee bit of cash for these guys and uh, invest it next season. Could be. Could be, I think, for... Although, say, could be, but there's still the opportunity to get into the playoffs. I think that the top three positions in League One look sewn up. But there's still the opportunity to, to get in there. I would, I would include Kelty, perhaps, as part of that conversation. Maybe that might be the case. I always thought that Kelty, it felt as though the season they actually got promoted into League One, where the, the, the money tap, as it were, was turned off because the team that they had to win the Lowland League and then win League Two, they were all names of, of some repute. Your, your Joe Cardles, your Callum Higginbotham's of this world. That wasn't the case in League One when they got promoted. I remember thinking that defence, even even when they were in League Two, I think that defence needs sorted out, and that didn't necessarily happen. Might be the case. I just it might be the case. Yeah, yeah. I just want something that has been. I mean, obviously, we know that the money men have moved on to Wraith, and when they signed, they made a couple of signings over the summer, like Steph McCluskey, and I was like, mm, that was the that's, one. Yeah, is that, that like indicative that you're maybe, you know, who, mm-hmm. who's who's fine in League Two? but who didn't score a goal in a season and a half at Dumbarton in League One. And I just looked at that and I thought, mm, like, are you, are you maybe struggling a wee bit? He's obviously like played with Tidzer before, so that would be a big selling point. He's not going to command a huge wage. And then just the players that they're losing this window, if Reese Lyon glo- goes, I think that's a huge loss. I, I rated him so highly at Annan last season and I was actually surprised he ended up at Kelty because I thought with the season he had at Annan, someone like Hamilton, Falkirk, should have been interested if they'd been paying attention to League Two last season. You go, that guy is like he's playing well beneath himself for whatever yeah. reason. Like it's not working out at Morton. Doug Emery and him obviously didn't see eye to eye, but I'd be looking at that and going, that's a guy that you can pick up who's still a good age and who's probably got quite a high ceiling to get back to being a, a very good championship player. Yeah, I think so. I really liked him when I saw him playing for for Aaron, him and Dom Doherty and Benji Leeson, the constituent parts all worked very well together. But on, on Brad Mackay, just to go back to the overall point, I do think you're, you're right. It's sometimes, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, sometimes it's quite, because I keep mentioning the fact that, that they signed that new contract and posted pictures of him and his girlfriend outside this really nice new built house and, and thinking, well, you know, not much of a player, but fucking hell, what a house. I, I just think you forget the personal stuff behind that and everyone's got a personal pride and everyone wants to do the very best they can 
I imagine you go into your job and there's a forum like oh, for, for Fraser Clark's articles that he wrote there are oh, shite have, 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 like, oh, have you seen I Facebook? <laughs> but I, it's, it, it can be great. That's that's one of the pitfalls that come with being a football player, particularly for a club like Falkirk. I think that he, I, I, I never quite rated him. To be honest, I think that he seemed to get his act together at Inverness Caledonian Thistle was there for a number of years. And the opportunity to be closer to home, to play for a bigger team like Falkirk, who get a you would on paper seem to have a good chance of of winning a title. It's only now that they that they seem to be getting their act together, and he hasn't played a single minute in the league. Just looking at the stats and transfer market, two appearances this season in the League Cup. I hope he does all right for them. Hope he does all right and gets his mojo back and, and starts enjoying his football and makes a difference for Kelty because ultimately that's that's what you want. Unfortunately, the league table there's going to be good players and bad players and good teams and bad teams, but ultimately everyone tries their best. I know that sounds like birthday card pish and very sentimental, but true, it does come from a good place. I can I can be sincere and earnest when the mood takes me. And the mood's taking me just now talking about Brad Mackay, <laughs> who's gone on loan to Kelty from Falkirk. And, and that sympathy is in no part down to how much you've enjoyed watching him defend for Falkirk over the past two seasons uh, on Falkirk TV. He's he's just not very good. He's just not very good. I I I just not very good. Can't doesn't read the game well, not aggressive enough, easily enough pushed around by bigger centre backs. Obviously quite a, a capable. Also, he's quite good with the ball at his feet. Falkirk fans might disagree with me. They'll see more of him. But I always thought he could pass the ball out from the back and that's always a, a useful quality to have. I think as well, the kind of move back to part-time this day or into part-time at this stage in his career, players either sink or swim when they drop into part-time football. You get some who it just works for and then they can continue mm-hmm. playing for maybe a, a good few years longer than they, they would have done. And for other ones, they just think, nah, this isn't for me. I guess this is a really nice way to do it. It'll be on, you would think, reasonable money at Kelty. Nice facilities, like a fan base. Not saying Falkirk don't have a nice fan base. They've got a very expectant fan base and probably a Mm. very quick to criticise fan base. You won't have that at Kelty. Maybe it'll just give him a wee bit of love back for football. And you know what? See if it gets to the end of the season and he goes, "Mm, I'm not really, you know, this training at night, it's not working for me. Then maybe it is time to start, you know, start looking away from football. But at least he knows now and he's doing it at a decent level. He's not dropped to, you know, a kick about on a glorified public park or anything like that. He's doing it at a nice venue, decent club, good level, and thinks, nope, this is this is me, I'm ready to bow out. Or he gets that love back and he, he goes on and becomes a Kelty Hearts icon. You'd like to think, though, he's 30 years old, that he probably already has had one eye to the, the future. I'm going to assume, I mean, yes, he's got a nice house, but he will have made steps to, to think about his career beyond playing. I'm going to assume that he's not on like life-changing sums of money. He's not made life-changing sums of money from the from the game but good luck to him from a three from a three-year deal at Falkirk set for life imagine it no wonder the club are in the state they're, the state they're in no wonder the club are in the state no wonder they're, they're, they're sending emails to fans every single week asking for money anyway we'll stick in we'll stick in league one but we'll go we talked about a team who are sort of mid-table let's talk about a team who are battling against the drop and I'm going to talk about perhaps the most surprising move not just this window, but I'm going to see of any window ever in the history of football transfers. This is Ali Ufai, who's joined Edinburgh City on a free transfer. We briefly touched on him on last week's show. And I think there was sort of like astonishment, bewilderment, confusion about his move. He had left Bonnie Rig Rose on basically just mutually consented to agree his contract out of the game for a couple of weeks and pitches up at Edinburgh City makes his debut against Falkirk, a, a huge mismatch, the team that are floundering at the bottom of the table, taking on a side who had 
were unbeaten 25 games. I think at that point, captains the side, scores the side to a 2-2 draw, one of the biggest upsets of the season so far, and by all accounts, had a very decent game in it. And similar to what we're talking about Brad Mackay, I've been quite critical of Alou Fai. I do think he's one of the worst players I've seen this season. Fair play to him, though. Because when he scored that goal, lovely, lovely, well-taken goal as well. And the celebrations with the young team behind the goals that caused the, the, the temporary barriers to fall over at Meadowback, I thought, good on you, good on you. Have you have you seen his goal for Bonnyrigg against Kilmarnock B in the Challenge Cup? Absolutely not, no, is it worth checking oh, out? Oh my goodness. He, uh, it's a cross comes in from the right-hand side, if I remember correctly, and he goes to kind of caress it with his right foot but it hits his standing leg and wrong foots the goalkeeper and goes in. <laughs> that, genius. That, that, just, that just about sums him up. I, I mentioned there that I think he's, he's one of the worst players I've seen this season. I saw him back in September. Stenismere went to New Dundas Park to play Bonnerig, won the game 1-0, courtesy of an Eden Lynch set piece, a head, sorry, a header. But he was playing up front in this game. I think he's naturally a striker. We signed from civil service strollers as a striker. But a very, 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 very easy player to defend against because if you think Bonnerig want to get the ball up the, the park as quickly as possible, you've got Nicky James and Gregory Buchanan there. Big, strong, aggressive, physical centre-backs who will shove you around and will push you around to get their head in the ball to make sure it goes back the other way. And he just he just couldn't do that. He was so easy to defend against. Anytime the ball went into his feet, it would bounce off him. Easy for like Nicky Jameson to get a toe around and poke it away from him. And the impression I got from watching him was that someone who has been tall from about the age of nine and hasn't had to learn how to use his body to jump and how to back into people. You compare him to, you mentioned Matty Aitken earlier. Like, he, if he could play like Matty Aitken and just like get his arse in, in the way of people and, and hold up, he can't do that. So when he got the move, when he left Bonnie Rig, I wasn't surprised. I was astonished when, when he went one level up to, to Edinburgh and I thought, geez, oh, that is indicative of where the club were. However, in this game, I thought, like, to see him as captain, surprised at that. And I think watching the scores coming in on the, the Saturday and seeing Ali Ufai has scored is like, my my goodness. I, I, I get a lot wrong when it comes to talking about football, but that was, that was something I did not see that coming at all. Yeah, I think I saw, I think it was his debut for Bonnie Rigg, which would have been round about a year ago a year ago today or around about that time, I think, mm. when he signed for them last January. And immediately the player that you reminded me of, and I said it on Pine Barrel and a couple of Dumbarton fans came back, was Robert Jones, in that he's mm. he's big, but he doesn't necessarily his height almost counts against him because you look at him and you think, right, you should be good in the air, you should be a you know strong at holding the ball up. You should just be a bit of a like if you've got that build, you need to just be a bit of a nuisance and fans expect mm-hmm. that. We spoke about it with Rusty McLean last week. Yeah. And he just did none of that. But also the thing that Robert Jones, I think Robert Jones, he, he has he has his he has his benefits. Like I saw him have a few good games for Dumbarton. That sounds really disparaging, given he played almost fifty games for us. But there were games that we'd bring him off the bench, and actually he would make a big positive difference. But the thing he didn't have was that goal scorer's instinct. And I was up mm. when he played for Clyde. I did a commentary for Clyde on the opening day of the season that Dumbarton got relegated, and I was sat with Paddy Keogh, who obviously used to play for them, and. Uh, he was kind of stood beside me or sat beside me. And the amount of times a cross came in and he would do, you know the wee thing, the wee kind of head yeah. movement that ex-players yeah, yeah, always yeah. do, just the wee, the wee aggressive he- like header at the New York Post is always how I imagine it. And he was like, he just needs to be, 
just needs to be like prepared to stick his head in and get that extra yard like just burst it to get that extra yard towards goal and just stick your head in you might get hurt but it might also end up in the back of the net he just didn't have the anticipation and that's something that I saw with Alou Fai as well like there just there didn't look like a natural goal scoring instinct there yeah you know it wasn't even like you thought right give him chances inside the box and he'll maybe take a good one good touch kill the ball and stick it away and I never really saw that either what you would see though is goals we've mentioned a couple of times goals really well taken it's a, I think it's a free kick that from Edinburgh that goes into the box Falkirk don't properly clear it it's headed back headed back in and all he does is he kind of he kind of stoops and lets the thing like flick off his, his forehead and into the net and it's a great bit Tom Lang for whatever reason has stepped off of it Tom Lang's got his face in his hands before the ball's in the net Brilliant. If you go back and watch, you can see Tom Lang facing his hand before the ball hits the net. And like I say, the, cel- the celebrations were, were great. More interestingly, though, he was played in central midfield in that match. I, and I don't know if Michael McIndoe has seen something in him that says, yes, I think you're better used there than you are up front. We'll stick you up front for, for long throws, for, for corner kicks, for free kicks or whatever. Because as we saw there, like, even the first goal, I think he was credited with an assist for it. And it, it, it wasn't, I think that, but him jumping up, I think it was him and, oh, I can't remember who he was jumping up with. Might be Mackey. Him and Mackey jumping up for the ball with, with Sam Long, hitting the crossbar and bouncing out for Callum Flatman to, to head into the net. Him being there at these things, it's, it's a bit of a chaos factor. You're not necessarily, as we've talked about, not good in there, not aggressive in there. But when you've got a guy who's about six foot seven just being there, you think, right, we do need to keep an eye out for this guy because something something might happen. I, I and I think that's that's something he can he can bring to Edinburgh. He was booked in the game, he he, he hacked Mackey down. Mackey was split down the left wing and he he, he got booked for, for scything him down. But I'd, I'd be interested to see what he's like in a game. I've, I've no real interest in going to Meadowbank ever again to watch if for anything really. But it would be interesting to see what he's like for uh, a full 90 minutes in that role in the middle of the park. Yeah, I'd be fascinated to see that. Like, I, I, because maybe we've got him wrong. So maybe he's one of these players who needs the game more in front of him than behind him. Mm. Maybe something like that. I, I would love to see it. I'd be Because I saw, and it sounds so, so harsh, but I saw nothing from him to suggest like I yeah. would have taken a punt if I was Bonnie Rigg. But there must be something there. Because they're not just going, oh, this guy's big. Like he, he, he will have played well against Bonnie Rigg in the past in the Lowland League. He had a decent goal return in the Lowland League, and I just wonder. I don't know. It could be a, could be a thing that he was played out of position, or that just Bonnie Rigg's style of football didn't play to him. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how civil service strollers played, but if they played maybe more possession based football, or they played with more in the deck. Maybe that would have suited them a wee bit better. Which is ironic when we talk about his height being such a big factor, but. He maybe maybe he just wasn't utilised correctly at Bonnie Rig and Edinburgh have seen that with an Astro Park and thought we can get the ball down and maybe this guy will cause a few problems. One of the things I did find interesting and, and obviously the the fault from reading what, what had happened on Pie and Bovril, the Falkirk supporters they all know a lot better than me. They were very critical of the team's performance in that match and and you would be if you you drop points against one of the, the poorest sides in, in the division you're and you'd like a a ninety six minute penalty to bail you out you're obviously going to be a bit sore after the match. However, judging on the highlights, Edinburgh have got a 10-minute highlights package there, very watchable. There were numerous chances that Falkirk had. Falkirk could have been about three goals up in the first like 10 minutes or so. Took a really good goalkeeper performance. I think Adams and then Edinburgh goal had a, a really, really good game. 
Rudy Adams is signing loan from 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 Dundee United, and that header cleared off the line. So it's just funny how these things can go. But one of the things I would say as well, like what we mentioned last week, we were having a bit of a laugh at Michael McIngo's post match interview. Maybe he is onto something that this Edinburgh team, all these young guys that are that there is something to work with at Edinburgh, and they can go and usurp and an athletic and and get into ninth place and maybe get into eighth place. He said that the the bookie the, the he said the bookies had them down as like Falkirk down as like one to sixty something daft like that. The odds were st- ridiculous odds for 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 Falkirk. Wouldn't even worth putting money on. But he says they don't know what they're doing. You need to come down and watch them and see how good they are. And maybe he's right. It will be who knows that that if if they keep on losing games, then the the motivation and the enthusiasm dwindles and it becomes a a procession between now and the end of the season. But based on that. Based on the Alwa game there, that 3-1 game where they were in the game up until the very end, you can see two goals right at the very end, he might be on to something. Have you seen their two latest signings? No. Right, so uh, they signed today, I think it was today, Ollie McDonald, formerly of Clyde and Stranraer. Right. And yesterday, now here's a bit of a blast from the past in a way, they signed Callum Wilson. Do you remember Callum Wilson bursting onto the scene at Dumbarton and looking I was like a superstar? You- I've got that down my notes there to ask you about Callum Wilson. I know you were very complimented about him when he broke through at Dumbarton, but I think lost his way a bit, loaned out to open goal Broomhill, didn't really do much there. Went to Albion Rovers, didn't really do much there either. Perhaps question marks about his fitness, his dedication, his attitude. What's he going to do at Edinburgh? I, I have no idea. So for when Callum Wilson came in in July, Stevie Farrell's first summer was the July... He came in and he was initially on trial. He'd just been let go by Hibbs. He was 17 years old and it was basically like, we'll get you in, you can train with us, but like, don't expect a deal. It'll just be to make up numbers for friendlies and things like that. And he was so good in the friendlies that we handed him a deal. And everyone yeah. thought, hang on a minute, like this guy looks like he could be a bit of a player. He made his debut uh, against Stenhouse Muir, Stephen Swift's first game in charge. I think it would have been in that league oh, cup beat, game. And beat you 2-1. He did, yeah. Where James Lyons James scored, Lyons scored an absolute, yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> an absolute screamer. And Callum Wilson played the whole game, I think, in central midfield, 17 years old. It was his senior debut. Didn't really look out of place. Suns were, I think they were down to two or three subs at that point, like really down to the bare bones. Looked like, yep, this guy can be a player. And then he kind of floated in and out the team a wee bit until mid-August when he came on against Rangers B and Dumbarton were 3-0 down to Jake Hastie's Rangers B. There's a nice wee segue back. <laughs> and he came on, I think, with about 20 minutes to go and he turned Adam Devine, who has gone on to be kind of a wee bit rated by Rangers fans. I think they've got high hopes from not convinced by what I saw of him out on loan, but that's another story. He turned them inside out and set up two goals and it finished 3-2, Sun still went out of the cup. Everyone went home going, like, well, if you can do that yeah. against, you know, against a Rangers team, okay, it's Rangers B, but you know, a, a fairly decent Rangers team at that sort of level, then we need to get him in the starting lineup. And he came into the team. He set up two goals up at Montrose, one of them where Gregor Buchanan admittedly kicked the ball off his own face and over Alan Fleming and in, which is one of my favourite back pages at the paper because afterwards he said if Ronaldo had done that, they'd have called him a genius. So we had a big picture of Ronaldo <laughs> with Bucky kicking the ball off his own face and over Alan Fleming. And I guess his kind of prime or his peak came in a 2-1 win against, again, a nice segue back against Paul Sheeran's Falkirk in a game that Calvin Orsay also scored. So it was like a real, a real unusual occurrence to have Callum Wilson and Calvin Orsay both scoring. That was his first goal in senior football. He picked the ball up on the halfway line. He kind of nudged off Gary Miller. It might have been a foul, but 
if you're a 34 year old getting shrugged off by a 17 year old then you know just grow up be stronger he's played the wee one two with Carlo Pinatiello on the edge of the box and then just curled this absolutely cracking effort around uh, Robbie Much he got a new deal just after that he was named League One Player of the Month and I don't think we saw him kick his own backside after that at all it just I don't know if it if it went to his head he got dropped for a wee period because it might be a bit like you were talking with Jake Hasty, where people got wise to it. They knew what yeah. he wanted to do. They knew that he would make a dive to cut inside and then he'd flick back onto his left foot and put it across goal. That's what he, and he was excellent at it. He would also, if you gave him time on the ball, he was really, really skillful, low center of gravity. So he would try and beat you and he'd try and do these clever skills and stuff. But people maybe got wise to it. Defenders looked at it and sussed him out and then he couldn't find a way to maybe mm. mix up his game enough. Then he started to put on a bit of weight I don't think it'd be unfair to say he didn't he didn't look in great shape. It certainly sounded that Stevie Farrell maybe wasn't too impressed with his professionalism towards the end of his time there. That's why yeah. he got shipped out on loan to open goal. And we thought at the time, well, it's pretty disappointing because everyone expected him to be a big player for Dumbarton last season. Disappointing he's gone out on loan. But Simon Ferry seems like a really kind of tough taskmaster. Almost be like getting back trimmed into shape and getting for the running. Just never, never really happened. I ended up last season at Gretna. I think he would have played under Michael McIndoe because he finished the season at Gretna. Ah, he might have done. Yeah, yeah, he might have done. Is yeah. how I'm assuming this transfers maybe came about, if, if that is the case. And again, I don't think he really ripped up trees. I was surprised when he went to Albion Rovers. But then I thought, well, this is a guy who this time last season you thought was going to be one of your most important players in League Two. Delete my tweet about him being better than Billy Gilmore and all that kind of stuff. Um, so maybe he is worth a punt. Again, never happened. So you look at that and you think, well, his time at Dumbarton started really, really well, fizzled out. His time at Broomhill, again, I think he scored in his debut, never really got going. His time at Gretna, don't know a great deal about what went on there. Albion Rovers, again, the fans seem to think, aye, there's a good player there, but he just never really, never really got much game time, which is maybe more on him than on the manager. You can say sometimes a player maybe will fall out with a manager and it's on the manager. That's effectively three clubs I don't know how it ended at Gretna but three clubs that have gone mm, we don't we don't really fancy you so it's a it's a massive and probably very unexpected opportunity for him yeah and and with Michael McIndoe I didn't realize they'd worked together so that might give a bit more credence to it but the impression I get from and I'm only go, go by his, his interviews I think that's more how most access people have access to, to, to Michael McIndoe if you're a player who say you're about 30 for instance and you've been about part-time football a wee bit I wouldn't want to play under him because he sounds like he takes it incredibly seriously. And I know that taking it seriously is very important because you want to be professional, but takes it seriously to the point where it isn't much fun. I want to compare him to like, like somebody who has been a bit of a Gary Naismith, a Stevie Farrell, but who can trust the players. You know, the players will look after themselves. You don't need to... There's good players in the dressing room, know exactly what, what to, what's expected from him. Whereas he... I've heard from second-hand sources um, that he isn't perhaps very good at dealing with senior players. I think that when he went in, I think it's not just to do with Edinburgh's financial troubles that a lot of these older players have perhaps moved on. But I think he perhaps works best with guys that have been discarded elsewhere, guys who are perhaps like 18, 19, 20. And so I think that it's interesting. His effusiveness, I mean, his most scathing was after they lost 5-1 to Montrose where he, would, he absolutely tore through his players who said some of them are not good enough to be there, some of them are not fit enough to be there. And subsequently, a whole, basically, an entire team of players has been turned over. And the guys are all starting. 
are all guys that are very, very young, 18, 19. And I think that's what McIndoe wants from his players, players who are pliable, players who listen to him, players who will take on instruction, players who won't question him, won't answer him back, stuff like that. Not sure if Callum Wilson fits into that bracket. However, they have worked together in the past, then McIndoe might figure out a, gate, a strategy, a, a fitness regime, a training programme, whatever, get the best out of him and get the best into Edinburgh. It might also be a, a bit of a penny drop moment for him as well, where you're kicking about in the Lowland League, you're not getting a game, all of a sudden, purely through chance, because, I mean, any other season, say if we'd gone back three years, Michael McIndoe wouldn't be at Edinburgh City and they wouldn't be signing a player like Callum Wilson. But mm. just by sheer chance, this comes up and you go, right, for the next six months, you just give it your all, get yourself into great shape, play to the best of your abilities, and you'll probably find that another club in League One or a, you know, a bigger club in League Two will go, yep, we'll take a punt on him at the end of the season or Edinburgh keep him on. So it's like this... This is maybe, it's not even like the last chance that we spoke about with Jake Hasty. It's like, this is a chance that didn't feel like it was probably going to be coming. Like, if you're not starting games mm-hmm. in the Lowland League to then bang, be dropped into a League One squad, like, go and take that opportunity. This is a free hit. Nobody's expecting anything. It's like a free hit to go and get your career back on track. And I've, I've no idea. I think technically he's very good based on what I saw early on. I don't know if he's a bit predictable and I have no idea. Mm. Like I, if he's playing amateur football in six years, if he's playing championship football in six years, neither, I'd be like, yep, that, that doesn't surprise me either way. I, I have no idea what he could do. I've got a feeling though that Edinburgh aren't going to finish bottom of the table. So they can... I'm, 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 I'm buying into what McIndoe's selling. I'm buying into what he's... Well, not, 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 that, no. not, not literally, of course. I don't want to be scammed out of 30 million pounds. But just what what he's selling at Edinburgh, I, I can I can buy into what, what he's saying and his confidence, like the, the the effusiveness after that Falkirk match, his interview, the penalty, the last minute penalty. See most managers furious at that. I thought it was a penalty, but you can imagine him saying, "Oh, we were robbed." The the linesman's called Donaldson dived. He was going down looking for it, etc. Uh, dismissed it, not a penalty. Just wanted to focus on how good it was for his players. And I suppose if you come away from that, we've t- taken a team as good as Falkirk taking them all the way and, and held them to each, you would fancy your chances a wee bit. I've got a feeling that they might not go straight down. Maybe they can play Dumbarton in the playoffs again. Because that would be the I, third time that Edinburgh City and Dumbarton have played each other in the playoffs. That's what everyone wants. It's, a trip to Meadowbank. <laughs> I will, actually, you say that. I, I do. It's that, so I've never, I've never been to Meadowbank. Um, I didn't get to the old one. It looks so bad that I feel like I need to go and experience it. And so I would be right up for that. Yeah, that's what Robert Borthwick and I did that one night. We'd finished an episode of A View from the Terrace and they were playing Peterhead that evening. And we're just like, we're in Edinburgh, we're in the area anyway. We'll go and get some tea. We, we went for some tea with our friend Danny Denham, who uh, was on the telly actually at the weekend playing, playing for Spartans. We had, uh, got some tea with him and then went, went round to it. It's not fantastic. And and actually, it just, we're kind of moving away from sp- speaking about transfer, but this is just a, a, wee, a wee thing. I'm interested to get your thoughts on it. At the end of that match, when Falkirk scored a penalty at one end of the pitch, there's a pitch invasion at the other end where Falkirk fans are onto the pitch. And the first time I was thinking that I was, that's a bit tin pot running onto the pitch. However, I think in their excitement at their team scoring in the 96th minute, and let's be honest, your team rescues anything and it doesn't matter who you're playing against you're still going to be excited that temporary barriers that are around the pitch we saw it when Ali Ufai scored in front of the Edinburgh's young team it keeled over the Falkirk fans have been excited that keeled over and that exuberance spilled onto the pitch in a proper stadium I was actually thinking at Gallibank Lynx Park for instance that's not going to happen yeah 
Yeah, it's it's no, it's not sort of thing. That, that we, I mean, that was the game that was delayed because the big bollards weren't filled up with water, wasn't it? Was that, that right? That's I think you know the big. I don't even know how you describe them. Those big plastic bollard yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Also, that the, gives them their weight. Yeah, filled up with water, right? If I think it was actually yeah, your old pal Lewis from Falkirk TV, I'd seen on Twitter. I'm sure that's what the reason was that they didn't realise the stewards didn't realise that they needed filled up with water, um, because otherwise they, I guess, just blow away or could be quite easily picked up and thrown. Well, you see, I mean, that's when filled with water, it's easy a couple of people lean on them and they, and they keel over. It's, 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 it's not to give Edinburgh a kick in, because I mean, we've been quite, quite kind to them, but it's not. It's just it's not a great place to go and watch football. But go and, go and experience it. And, and that's just, that's, you could say, just, just go and experience it and see, and see what, it's, what it's like. See, see how exuberant Dumbarton fans are watching their team get beaten by Edinburgh City in the playoffs once again. Now, we mentioned experienced players leaving Edinburgh. But have I done this the right way around? Yeah, we've done after Alfa. Oh, no, Alufai was mine. Yeah. Sorry, I, we've spoken that much about him. I tell you what, right, I'll just, I'm just going to go in. I'm just going to go in there. Sorry, I thought that was, God, I've completely lost the run of myself. Yeah, we talked about experienced players leaving Edinburgh City, and the final one I want to focus on is Kyle Jacobs, who left Edinburgh to join Stennis Muir. It wouldn't be a lower league podcast if we didn't talk about Stennis Muir on it. Now, this is the third time that Gary Naismith has signed him, signed him for Queen of the South, signed him for Edinburgh City, and now he has signed him from, from Stennis Muir. And I think what was really interesting, at the, it's very difficult to try and get into this Stenny team at the moment because they're playing, they're playing what, they weren't fantastic against Stenner, but they're winning games. So obviously, it's very difficult to break up a winning team. So if you're selling it to new players to come in, you're, you're saying to them, come in, be part of the squad, it's a good group of guys, you might not necessarily get a game and I think that one of the things Naismith said after saying was that he's a good guy. If he's not playing, he won't come to my door and chat and, and ask to, to get a game because he understands how football works. But technically a very good player. However, with Matt Weatherburn getting red carded against Gerrard and just minutes ago the appeal failed, he's going to miss two games against Peterhead and against Dumbarton. This is Jacob's chance to come into the side. He's made three appearances off the bench so far, but 35 minutes of football in that period. But I like what I've seen from him. And although he won't have the same physical presence as Nat Weatherburn, he is a different kind, of, a capable replacement, but a very different kind of replacement in that regard. When we spoke about Sean Welsh, I guess the similar things could sort of apply, just like a really sensible signing, like just yeah, a good guy to have yeah. about the place and someone who can be a wee bit versatile if you need him. You know, if you need him to drop back into defence, he could probably do a job there. You need him in central midfield, you fling him on. So you're one nil up in a game, I'm guessing like the Stranar game at the weekend. You're 1-0 up. You want to see the game out. You want to keep it firm. Last 15 minutes, totally. he goes on and he doesn't do anything stupid and he organises yeah. everyone around him and he just gets that result over the line. It's that you're not, you're not excited to go and see him play on a Saturday, but like, you know, you're never going to object to him being in that team. You've read my notes. That's exactly what I've got <laughs> I'm there. good at that. That's exactly what I've got. Yeah. That's, I think the, the difficulty, I think that's, that's exactly what I've got there. Yeah. I think that's the kind of, that's the kind of player is, and that's how he's been used. It's then you bring him on, to see out the game and he's, he's been very effective at it. I've never seen him waste a pass. Very good at keeping the ball. Good at dropping into little pockets of space. Always makes himself available to, to receive a pass from his, his teammates. And his character is something, as we mentioned, Gary Naismith has, has talked up. I think it's quite difficult to attract players for Stennis Muir at the moment. And what I mean by that is the team doesn't change. We've used regularly about... 14 players, 14, 15 players over the course of the season. Each week you go, you know what the starting 11 is going to be. And the only way that other players have come into the team 
it's because of someone else's misfortune. Ross Meakin got sent off against Elgin. Uh, so Eden Lynch got his chance at right back and played there for a few months until he got an injury of his own. Ross Taylor was playing most games. He got an injury. Adam Brown comes in. Then Adam Brown gets suspended and Ross Taylor comes back in. So that's the way it works at this team. And given the fact that the team have largely been fit, it's only really suspensions that have caused them six red cards over the course of the season. And I don't think they're a particularly dirty team either. But six red cards over the course of the season, it's only suspension that's doing it. So it's difficult to sell it to players to say, you can come in, but you might not get a game. So even though the team are doing well and there is a very tangible, don't touch wood at the moment, but there's a real tangible chance of winning silverware. Am I going to play every week? Mm. If you get in, yeah, but you, you might not get in. You know, if you, if you come in and you're like a, an attacking player, am I going to play every week? Uh, who's in front of me? Duno Riley, Matty Yates and Adam Brown. Probably not. You're going to get time off the bench. You'll get a shot, but you won't get to start. And I think that's why it's perhaps been difficult for Steny to sign players on loan. If you're a club that's looking to develop players, you want them playing every week. I don't think that's something that Stennis Muir can offer them at the moment. So that's what's perhaps why it's an unattractive club to send loan players on this season. But I think Jacobs will do all right. Yeah, yeah, I think he'll be I think he'll be very solid. And also what he knows now is that if he comes in and puts in two good performances, then that position's his until he gets injured or suspended. Yeah. So like, you know, Naismith's not going to be the sort of manager who goes, right, well done, Kyle, that's two excellent performances. That's not back, yeah. so uh, you're back in the bench like it's if it's working and if he's performing and that's all you can ask for as a player if you're a player and you go in there you play to the best of your abilities you put in two good performances the team get two positive results um you're not going to get dropped right that's fine yeah. so i know that i'm not going to have a manager who just for no apparent reason goes right you're out and somebody else is in if he comes in and has two stinkers he'll be dropped and he's not he's you know from what you've said and from the sort of career he's had he's not going to be the sort of guy who kicks up a fuss about that because he'll understand it I'm sure there were times early in the season Ross Meakin's face was tripping him a wee bit because he wasn't getting on, he wasn't getting a start. And Lynch, who has exceeded my expectations, I've got to say, I think that, I think you and I had texted each other after he joined from us. He'd made, what, nine appearances last season for Dumbarton. Not particularly successful. One One on left wing. Extraordinary, and you didn't win the league last season. I <laughs> don't <surprised>. know why, <laughs> but he's actually come in and he's actually done us a pretty good turn. He is someone I'd say he's he's, he's perhaps one of the poorest football players I've seen at Stennis Muir. However, when it comes to just heading the ball and kicking the ball and keeping it away from the goal, he's fine at that, and he's also a threat from set pieces. That's something that Stennis Muir are pretty good at. So for what we've done, been he's fine, and the only reason he got bombed out the team was because he injured himself. I think it was against Forfar. He, he got an injury and, and Ross Meakin had to... Elgin, beg your pardon, Elgin got an injury and Ross Meakin had to come to the team. And Ross Meakin's been excellent. So right back is the position that is his until he loses it. I would say, though, actually, he's Nicky Jameson's injured, so I'm expecting Lynch to start against Peterhead at the weekend. I think as soon as Jameson's back fit, however... Jameson will see straight back in the team and, and, and Lynch is onto the bench. But I'd say that's just because how good they've uh, Lynch, and, Lynch and Buchanan, Jameson and Buchanan have been at, at centre-back this season. But uh, nevertheless, Jacobs, good sign in two very important games for the club coming up away at Peterhead and at home to Dumbarton. Peterhead, a team who have yet to score against them this season. And Dumbarton, that rematch at Oakville View, that's the, the only time Steny have lost this season. We talked about it in last week's show. I think that the Warriors played well in that match outside 
of a 25-minute window where they scored four, conceded four goals. So, aye. And on top of that as well, it's this winning run's going, the longer it goes on, and again, touching wood here, but you're closing in on Gretna's record for the division. So the closer that gets, the the more tantalising it becomes. And you don't want to... And, and I think as well, you win those two games. More First, more importantly, I think you really is grievous for Dumbarton and Peterhead, if it isn't already. And I think that's the sort of stuff that would actually say you're both out of the title race. Yeah, I mean, I've already been looking at it and trying to work out how early Steny could win the league. And I, I know that you... You might have done that in your head, but you won't have said it out loud. But there must be part of you that's looking at it going like, could, you know, because I, I was, right, when do we play Steny next? I don't want them winning the league against us. It's nothing personal. I just hate seeing other teams happy. <laughs> it was the same yeah. as Sterling Albion last season. They could have won the league. And obviously that was a bit of a ding-dong battle. Oh, yeah. That was a game that was called off yeah. just before. It was yeah. Just, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then the rematch, they, if, I think if they'd won that, they would have won the league or it would have been basically all but done. Thankfully, they didn't. Again, nothing against Sterling Albion, my local team. I just really hate seeing opposition fans happy so I didn't didn't want them to do that but yeah I was looking at it going like you know if we play Steny in mid-March I think again or something like that what are the chances that that they could conceivably win the league against us and I think again you won't say it but beat Peterhead beat Dumbarton on top of beating Spartans three times this season that, yeah. that's it I mean like there's I mean I think it's it would take a very brave man to bet against any anyway do that and the lead's just going to be unassailable I mean you could you could have an injury crisis. You could have Gary Naismith off on holiday for three weeks, like letting you pick the team and you'd still win the league at a canter because you'd pick the same team because that's what he does. <laughs> Aye. As I touched on the last week's show, that after beating Str- I mean, that's the thing. Stensby weren't particularly good against Stranraer at the weekend there, but but even then, they defend so well. Like DJ, Dan Jameson, bigger pardon, didn't really have a save to make. And the match, Tam ordered a couple of shots from range, went close, but nothing on target. And just they defend so well. So even when, when it's not going right for them further forward, and it's just at that stage now where I, if like the other teams like Peterhead and Dumbarton could win every single game between now and the season, but you're so far ahead that 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 that, that, that some bad, and then on top of that, you would have to chuck it away. So the two factors, yeah. and I think one of them might happen. But I can't see both of them happening. That's that, that, that allows someone to overtake them. I don't think I, I. I don't think I can see either of them. I can't see Dumbarton, Peterhead, or Spartans putting together a run of I don't know nine consecutive wins, ten consecutive wins, and I don't see Steny losing six consecutive games or whatever it would take at this point. Like I just, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see it. And I, I would be exactly the same as you, where I wouldn't, you know, until that Sky Sports ticker thing has gone yellow at the top with the VC yeah, beside yeah, yeah. it. Like I'm not believing anything. Like I would be thinking points deductions or whatever else could come in. But until it's officially official and until you've got Gregor Buchanan holding that trophy, I wouldn't believe it. But also, I know that if you were in my shoes and it was Dumbarton in that situation, you'd be looking at it going, yeah. do I see you know, do I see any of these teams putting together a run, anything like 13, 14 consecutive wins? No. Like, that's generational stuff. And I just do not see, I don't think Dumbarton, Peterhead, Spartans, anyone in that league is good enough to do that. Well, the good news, dear listener, is you will get a blow-by-blow account every single week between now and the end of the season about Stennis' progress. But enough about the team I support. Fraser, let's talk about the team you support. Give us one to go up the road with, mate. So my final one is probably the most covered League 2 transfer of the season. The man who had the back page splash in the Daily Express, would you believe, last week. 
It is Gallagher Lennon, not Lennon Gallagher, as I write down several, or I've written down several times and has almost went in the paper, which is uh, one of the Gallagher brothers' children. I can't remember which one. Yes, he's a, he's a, he's a model, really good looking boy. Is he? Right, well, I'll go and ah. Google him so that I can like ingrain his face in my mind so I remember. Uh, I've even got written down in my notes as Lennon Gallagher. So there you go. But Gallagher Lennon <laughs> is, is the son of uh, Neil Lennon, in case anyone was buried down a hole last week and didn't notice. Uh, because it's been endlessly covered. He had a really short loan spell at Linlithgow Rose from St Mirren. He's just signed for Dumbarton on loan. Now, this is interesting for a few reasons, keeping everyone involved with the Dumbarton chat, as I have to do. It's interesting for a few reasons. Firstly, because he comes with this kind of massive reputation. He's captain Northern Ireland's under-19s. Stephen Robinson reportedly has been very, very keen to get him out on loan. So kind of from what I gathered from chat at the weekend with people at the club, it was kind of like, Dumbarton knew that they were going to need a left back or a left sided defender and Faz was maybe looking for someone with a bit of experience or didn't know how to use it because the budget's pretty tight like you you need to get this one right and Stephen Robinson almost went down the lines of like you need to trust me on this one take him you won't regret it we've got a really good deal because apparently they just want him playing and it's what you said with Steny they want him getting regular football yeah. and they thought he's almost it's not meant in a disrespectful way right he's gone to Linlithgow Rose nah he's wasting his time at that level let's test him up a right. level Brilliant. Which okay. Sounds very, very positive. That's really exciting. Yeah, must must be class if you're getting a player on the loan. They're saying, "Nah, he's too good for two of the level down." We we need to see him test himself up uh, one, one level. We want to see him test himself with you guys. Yeah, exactly. Now that all felt very positive, and I thought a left sided centre back is what we needed. And then I spoke to Matty Shields, and he, he explained that he was off to Cove Rangers. So all of a sudden, this transfer becomes huge because mm. Lennon Gallagher, uh, no Gallagher Lennon, I believe, <laughs> comes to us as a left-sided centre-half who can also play, I think, in defensive midfield. He's going to play at left-back for Dumbarton, as I understand it, unless there's a change in formation because Matty Shields going on top of losing Greg Young for the season to appreciate yeah. ligament and letting Greg Wilde go earlier in the season. Sons have a real issue with left-backs and holding on to them. Matty Shields, I said it last week, for my money, is probably the best left-back in the division, probably one of the best full-backs in the division. Very, very well-merited move up to Cove Rangers but it leaves a huge hole at the back for Dumbarton that they're going to need to plug. And it puts a, a fair bit of pressure on Gallagher Lennon to be that man who can come in. And I actually, I was glad he didn't get on against Rangers, not because of the nasty things that the Rangers fans were singing about his dad, who I believe they're not too keen on. Not because of that, but because the hype had been so much. He's an 18-year-old kid. Like, don't expect him to go out there and be like a 31-year-old Neil Lennon playing for Celtic. Like, he's not going to be, he's not going to be at that level. And I just hope that He's given time. His first game being away at Elgin possibly helps. I think when you've got, it's the first time I can ever remember us having a player who is the son of such a high profile former player, such a divisive former player. So there's Mm. going to be, as with all small clubs, there's going to be people in our support who have got maybe Rangers allegiances and people who've got Celtic allegiances. And I, I felt like if he made his debut at home, if he turned in a bit of a stinker, it's going to be those people with Rangers allegiances automatically will not like him. And it's like, you know, you've got to trust, like this guy is 18 years old. He's his own man. He's his own player. He's also coming in to replace such an important player for us. Stephen Robinson wanted him tested. My goodness, he's, he's, uh, aye, he's going to be tested here. But I'm, I'm very excited to see him play. But I also know that it feels like a lot rests on how good he is for the rest of this season for Dumbarton. Yeah, I think that jumping back a wee step, I think that was perhaps a good move not to play him against Rangers because it felt like making it into the back page of the Daily Express, it feels like an unnecessary circus for someone who isn't ready for it or someone who hasn't really done anything to merit it. I mean, he's just going on loan to play for Dumbarton. It's not his fault his dad's Neil Lennon. What he can bring to the team, I don't know. I'm quite excited to see him 
Oh, that's quite exciting. The, the talk up you've given him, that's that sounds like a lot of fun. And I think it's it's always great. You always remember the the lone players that come and, and make a huge difference. The guys you were, yeah, I, I I saw him when when he was when, when he was breaking through. I think that it's Kenny Miller is the the, mo- the most famous one. Scored like he scored like ten goals, eight, eight or ten goals, but there were only like five different games. It was like two two goals, two two goals, two goals, two goals. And so you've got a one one record of two. He's he's the best, and obviously he's gone on to have a have a great career. I'm trying. Who'd be Dumbarton's Steve, most high Stephen Dobby would be the the obvious one, I would say. Right. Okay. Stephen Dobby, who went on to become perhaps the greatest player ever to play for Queen of the South. Uh, so you know, you know, it's a, a, interesting. Just an aside. Tom McManus, the the pundit, the man who is paid money to give his opinions on on Scottish football. His header on his Twitter page. It's that famous picture of, I think it's him, Dobby, O'Connor, Riordan and Brown. They're in Edinburgh and they're all kicking balls like to, towards the camera. And you've got like Stephen Dobby, like really a good career sort of English lower leagues, but especially at Queen of the South, like a Queen of the South legend. Derek Riordan, still incredibly well regarded amongst the Bernie supporters. is the most talented player they've ever seen at the club. Gary O'Connor, when he was breaking through, like, very well liked uh, and the fact his subsequent career I, I kind of didn't go with anyone wanted but still well liked and Scott Brown who is a, a legend at Celtic and then Tam McManus Yeah I mean I suppose it, it must have been must have been uh, grounding to play with talents like that you'd be like oh well I can't get too far ahead of myself to be fair if you compare with no disrespect to Tam McManus who could obviously keep the ball off me absolutely no bother at all but with no disrespect that you maybe look at him he looks at those guys around about him and goes you know what I had a pretty good career for, for somebody who didn't have, because I imagine, like, imagine training with Stephen Dobby and Derek Riordan, like, you would feel so inferior. And then you, you go, actually, you know, I made a career out of being a footballer, and now I'm paid to talk about it, rather than us sitting, <laughs> talking about it in our spare rooms, you know? That's a fair point. I'm sure I was told about Stephen Dobby that, that after training, he'd go and drink Lucas Aid and play championship manager. Fair enough. Like, that's, 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 what, that's what I sometimes do. I sometimes, well, I don't drink Lucas Aid, but I sometimes play championship manager. Uh, but I'm, that's not how a footballer should be preparing for, for, for big games. But aye, I, what are Dumbarton's expectations for the rest of the season? I know we spoke about them at length, but it's just perhaps a good a good jumping off since we talked about Gallagher, what, what your expectations are for, for the season. What for the team? Uh, I mean, externally, in terms of from the, the supporters, uh, anything other than the title is considered a failure uh, and anything other than promotion will be considered a failure. And to be honest, I spoke, so I still remember, I spoke, spoke to Stevie Farrell the day we got relegated uh, by Edinburgh City a couple of seasons ago. Bloody Edinburgh. <laughs> they just keep coming up in this podcast. And I <laughs> said to him, the question that you, you kind of, you have to kind of clench your fists when you're doing it. I said, do you think you're the man to get Dumbarton back up? And he was like, 100%, I'm the man to get Dumbarton back up. He, his objectives have stayed the same as far as I know, which is promotion. Now, promotion via the playoffs, promotion via winning the league. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. The, the, the objective is promotion. Do I think this team can do it? I think a lot will depend on on how new players settle in. It will depend on fitness and availability. So Mark Dernan's obviously been out for mm-hmm. well since October. So that's club captain, probably one of the highest paid players, one of the most experienced players. He's been out since October. He is having a little bit of surgery last week or this week. 
should be, Faz says, back four to six weeks. Callum Wilson's been out, not that one. The other one who we signed from Albion Rovers, not the one we very sold to Albion Rovers. <laughs> very confused when I've had to keep checking. Oh. You know that bit in The Simpsons when Mr Burns has got the ketchup and the catsup? <laughs> but ultimately it's just Callum Wilson, Callum Wilson. So it's quite the, confusing to keep There was up with. Callum Wilson who Dumbarton released and he went to Albion Rovers and then they signed Callum Wilson, the different Callum Wilson, who then mm-hmm. they released and he went to Albion Rovers while they signed the other Callum Wilson again. Yeah, right. so, so like a, anyway, like there's David Lynch film, there, all these doppelgangers. There's uh, Callum Wilson, who's not played all season, who looked pretty good for Albion Rovers. He should be back in February sort of time. That'll be just another option to add to the squad. For me, it's all about momentum. And it, you see how many times the team's gone to the playoffs and they're maybe not the best team. The most famous example being that Brecon City team that got up into the championship. Not the best, mm. not the second best team in that league, not by a, a long stretch, but they went into it with a bit of momentum. And that just carries on through the playoffs. When Suns won the playoffs in 2011-12, Again, they finished third in the league. They're quite a wee bit behind Arbroath. Finished third in the league, but just had that momentum. Went into it with a decent bit of form behind them. Beat Arbroath, yeah. swept aside Airdrie and got themselves through it. I think, right, as far as I'm concerned, the league's the league title's not happening. I mean, that'll take a minor miracle. If Suns can go into the playoffs, say April, they maybe win four out of their five games in April, however many games they have. They go into it with a bit of momentum. There's no reason why this squad, this squad of players as it is, can't get promoted. Whether or not they will depends on what we touched on last week. Please go back and listen to the podcast where Dumbarton fans say Stevie Farrell doesn't win big games. Yeah, it was a good podcast. I went back and listened to it when I was in the gym lifting heavy weights and I, I really enjoyed myself. So yeah, I always think if a podcast, if I've been on it, I go back and listen to it and I've enjoyed it. That's ultimately the main thing. And dear listener... I've enjoyed myself. Fraser, have you enjoyed yourself? It's, it's, been, it's been adequate as a way to spend an e- evening. Excellent. And we hope you have enjoyed yourself. Thank you very much for sticking with us for the past 90 minutes as we've spoken about eight, probably nine, because Callum Wilson, we spoke a lot about him, certainly more about him than than, than anyone else, really, um, as, a, as a transfer. Uh, and it's been, it's been good fun. Always good fun to catch up with you, Fraser. Please continue to support this podcast there are thousands quite literally thousands of podcasts up on the patreon page all of them to a very high standard so for as little as two dollars a month you can get involved with that i listened to a very interesting one between craig fowler and alistair gemmel talking about air united and their prospects under well not really under scott brown more after lee bullen left but nevertheless very interesting but fraser i'm sure you and i will catch up again very soon to chat shit about the lower leagues and and if if we don't do it with people listening, we can do it at local view in a fortnight. Yes, yes. Um, although my last time with Dumbarton fans at local view, I was uh, humiliated and victimised by them. You're just a shit, Paul Hartley. They shouted as goal after goal rained in, and the worst thing was the worst thing was I couldn't that pie stand for ages. Got to the front, no steak and haggis pies. Do you have any steak pies? No steak pies. Furious. Who's top of the league? That's that's. You just need to stand there now with your hands cupped the entire ninety minutes, just with your hands cupped to your ears like that, as goal after if, goal goes in again. But it doesn't matter because you're running away with the league anyway. If only the Dumbarton fans knew what was in store for them four months down the line. Real sliding doors. <laughs> no pies for me, but potentially a league title. <laughs> there we go. That's the name of the podcast. There we go. No pies, but what a league title. What does that relate to transfers? It doesn't. You just have to listen to find out. But yes, thank you very much. Take care and enjoy your football. But unlike the Falkirk fans that ran onto the pitch in the 96th minute, uh, Edinburgh City, please do so respectfully. Really is as simple as that. But we won't hold it against you if the barriers haven't been filled with water.
leave it at that. Thank you very much. Take care. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.